0: The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church, or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit GeorgiaFaith.com. Thank you for listening. In the name of Jesus, Amen. There are no atheists in foxholes. You maybe heard that phrase before. It's an old military saying. What it means is that you might go into the military not believing that there's a God. You might even go into a battle not believing that there's a God. But as soon as the bullets start flying past your head, as soon as the ground begins to explode all around you, as soon as the only thing that's keeping you from death is that little tiny hole that you dug in the earth yourself, well, it's at that moment that the, the thought of God and the thought of the afterlife become ever more real and ever more important. And that's also true in our own lives, isn't it? It's not maybe real bullets flying past our head, but as problems come flying at us in life, when there are no problems, it's easy to forget God and maybe not go to God as often. But as soon as the problems start flying at you and the world begins to explode all around you, well, the idea of God and the afterlife, the idea of our relationship with God, That becomes a lot more real and a lot more important and that's what makes our gospel lesson this morning so interesting because this rich young ruler comes to jesus with the question what must i do to inherit eternal life but there was nothing obvious going wrong in his life his friends would have said of him you're good you're set you're rich and you're powerful you must be a good enough person that god has blessed you so much But the rich young ruler knew better. He could sense that there was a tension. He could sense that there was something wrong with his relationship with God. And that's why he comes up to Jesus and asks that age-old question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered, you know the commandments. You know what God expects. That God demands a life of perfect holiness that is without sin And one sin, one misstep, one missed mark, well, you're guilty of breaking all the commandments, and there's nothing left for those who break the commandments except hell, except death. And as soon as Jesus said, you know the commandments, the rich young ruler pulled out his mental checklist as he had so many times before and followed along as Jesus read, don't commit adultery, check, don't murder, check don't steal check don't give false testimony check honor your father and mother check and like a little child coming back home with a perfect A plus on his test he pulls up this checklist and says look I did it had he could he was that even the point? Jesus didn't list off the commandments for this rich young ruler to say to himself, I've kept them all. Jesus put before him a list of the commandments so that the rich young ruler might know that he had it. So that he might know that he was asking the wrong question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the wrong question. What's well, it's a question the world loves to ask. After all, there's only two religions in the world. The one that asks, what must I do to make myself right with God? And the one that asks, what has God done to make me right with him? And whether it be following a specific law code, or avoiding eating certain foods, or trying really hard in meditation, in contemplation, whatever it is, the world says, do this and do that. Climb that ladder. Reach God. I know you can do it. But the irony is, the world says do, but it's never done. There is no finish line to being a good person. Even if you were to take yourself out of society, away from every temptation, away from every person, and go live on the top of a mountain by yourself, you slowly realize that you're not becoming a better person. You're not even a good person. You're still a bad person. You're just now a lonely bad person. There is nothing that you can do to make yourself right with God. And you know this. That's why you're here. Because you didn't ask the question that the rich young ruler asked, what must I do to make myself right with God, you asked the question the disciples asked. Who then can be saved? Be saved. No doing. You need a Savior. In response to this question, Jesus says, with man, this is impossible. Keep trying. you will never get there. There's always one more rung on that ladder. There's just one more thing you have to do. With man, this is impossible, but not with God. No, with God, all things are possible. If We go back to the Garden of Eden. At the first sin, moments after Adam and Eve took those first two bites of the forbidden fruit, moments after Satan's gloating hiss, Satan's laughter was cut short. By God Himself, when He promised a solution. When He promised a Savior. And now fast forward from Genesis 3 to Luke 18, and we see that Savior. He is the one at whose feet the rich young ruler is falling. He is the one who the disciples are following. He is the one that we trust and believe in. Because Jesus knew what God demanded. He knew that God demanded a life that was completely holy and without sin, and he knew that every sinner, each and every one of us, the people that he loved, had no holiness and a whole lot of sin. So he came down to this earth to live a perfect life in our place so that our accounts might be credited with complete holiness and no sin. And he knew that the wages of sin was death, So we not only lived a perfect life, but he died in our place. We call it the great exchange, the great trade, the most one-sided trade in history. We give Jesus our sin, and he gives us life and forgiveness and peace. What a great exchange it is. And he says to you and me, as he says to the disciples, anyone who follows me, anyone who follows Jesus, I guarantee them salvation. Guaranteed. No doubts. That's a promise. And that promise was not only made to you and me and to the disciples, but even to this rich young ruler. As soon as he puts away that mental checklist, Jesus looks at him, and even though it doesn't say in Luke's account of this story, it happens in Mark's account. He records that Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. Loved him so much that he didn't give up on him. Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and said, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus' problem wasn't that the rich young ruler had a lot of money. No, money is another gift of God. If you look back at the Old Testament, you'll see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the founders and patriarchs of Israel, well, they were some of the richest men who were alive at that time. And never once did God tell them, take everything you have, sell it, and give it to the poor. So why does Jesus say this to this rich young ruler? This man's problem was that he took what he had and put it above God. He prioritized his wealth above God. So this man's biggest problem wasn't with commandments 6 or 5 or 7 or 8 or 4. His biggest problem was with commandment number 1. You shall have no other gods. So Jesus held out two hands and said, your choice, follow me and choose God or follow money and walk away. When he heard this, he became very sad because he had great wealth. The rich young ruler looked at what Jesus had to offer And looked at what he had. And he preferred what he had to what Jesus had to offer. In other words, he saw Jesus as a loss. There may be times in our life too when we view Jesus and following Jesus as a loss. After all, you're here this morning. It's the weekend. You're giving up your time and your energy to worship God and hear what God has to say to you and while you're giving up time. If you wanted to work, time for pay, or if you wanted to relax, time for play. And for those students who are with me this morning, even the young students, it doesn't take long before following Jesus publicly seems like a loss. When you're younger, it might be that you're teased or call the goody two-shoes or the buzzkill. Get a little bit older and you might be left out of certain social situations or you might have certain social pressures put on you that make living your life terribly difficult because you know what your God says, but at the same time, it's so tempting. On top of all that, I hate to break it to you, college doesn't get any easier. When you get to college, it's possible that all this stuff remains and on top of that, you might have professors or peers who are very outrightly against what you believe in, mocking you publicly and maybe even grading you more, different, more differently for who you follow and who you believe in. It doesn't stop there. It goes all the way to the working world, doesn't it? When you're looking for a job, there might be some jobs you're just never going to get because you're not willing to lie your way into them. There may be some promotions that you might have to miss out on because the cutthroat corporate world and following Jesus just don't mix. And on top of all that, regardless of where you are in any stage of life, this world bombards us with things it calls fun and enjoying and pleasurable and entertaining. And it's so tempting. But what the world calls fun and enjoyable, your God calls sin. So day after day, we have to say no to that part of us that wants to do the things we know are wrong. But it's so hard. Was the rich young ruler right? Is following Jesus a loss? Leave it to the Apostle Peter to say what everyone else is thinking. He goes to Jesus after and says, Jesus, are, are we okay? We've left everything to follow you. And it's true. They had. They left behind family and friends and jobs and homes to follow this man who claimed to be God. Walked up to them one day and said, Come, follow me. I don't know if I would have had the faith that they did. But there they went. They trusted that Jesus was who he said he was. And if we were to take a step back and look at the situation and watch the rich young ruler leave and watch the disciples follow after Jesus we may be tempted to say to ourselves that the rich young ruler looks a lot better off than the disciples do. After all, he's got a lot of nice clothes. He's going back to a really nice home. But the disciples are walking after this man who has no place to lay his head, who is not really promising them luxury, but promising them servitude and poverty. But if you look closer and look at the disciples, Look at their hearts to realize that they are more rich than the rich young ruler would ever be because they trusted in the one who made amazing promises. The one who promised not only to take them to heaven one day, but listen again. No one who has left anything this world has to offer for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life that's an amazing promise jesus promises you blessings not only salvation but also promises you blessings here and now real physical tangible blessings and that's a promise made by god himself but sometimes i find that promise even harder to believe than the promise of eternal life Because in the good times, it's easy to believe that promise and see the things that we have as gifts from God. But when your world seems to be crashing down around you, when relationships are straining at the verge of breaking, when nothing seems to be going right, Jesus, where's the blessing? You promised me blessing. We are those who follow you. What's going on? Why is my life collapsing? Why is the world exploding? Why are the bullets flying? Jesus called the rich young ruler to have a very radical faith in him. A faith that trusted that Jesus would provide not only for the spiritual but also for the physical things. And the rich young ruler walked away sad. He now calls out to you today with the same call. Follow me. Trust me. Even though we may have an idea of our, in our heads of how we want things to go and want things to work out, know this. If you get what you were hoping for, God knows you needed it. But if things don't go your way, if things aren't working out, if it seems that everything is collapsing, know that the answer to your prayer isn't no. Know that the answer to your prayer is, I have something better. God knows what's better, and he promises to give it to you. And just like when you looked at the disciples, they didn't look like a whole lot. So too in our life, it may not look like a blessing, but trust, trust your Savior. He's making big promises to you. And he keeps those promises. Jesus promises you salvation. Jesus promises you blessings. When times are tough, he knows. When you're burdened with guilt, he knows. When the day comes and you don't even feel like a Christian, he knows. And he looks at you, and he loves you. And he calls to you, follow me. Because what I have to offer you is greater than anything the world has to offer you. And that's a promise. And Jesus has never made a promise he won't keep. Amen.